You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 39 in your Bibles. And thank you for coming to church on a Wednesday night. And uh, I understand, and I, I think you know this, I don't have to tell you this, um, but uh, there's a lot of people, uh, and it breaks my heart, but there's a lot of people that don't go to church on Sundays anymore. Isn't that amazing? Didn't used to be like that. And then there's a lot of folks that they may, occasionally they may go to church on Sunday morning, but Sunday night they've, they've got more important things to do. I still haven't figured out what's more important than church on Sunday night, but apparently there's a lot of important things that I just haven't discovered yet. And then on Wednesday night, there's a lot of people that don't go to church on Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, it used to be that people went to church. And, uh, you know, but, you know, things have gotten so much better in our world, don't you think, since we stopped going to church? No, I don't think so. I think they've gotten worse. And I believe the answer is for God's people to get back to the Bible, get back to church, and uh, get back to the things of God. I, I appreciate you being in church on a Wednesday night, and I promise you this, uh, I do my best to never waste your time. I do my best to make sure that I'm prepared and uh, to, to give you what the Bible says. And these are not my ideas, uh, but these are God's words for us tonight, and I hope it'll be a help to you. I know it's been a help to me. Uh, tonight, as we look at Jeremiah 39, we're going to see some things in this chapter that I'll warn you, they're very convicting because there's some, there's some red flags that are presented to us tonight. You know, everything in the Bible, it was written for our example or for our admonition. Uh, there's no mistakes. God didn't just run out of things to say and start you know, making stuff up. God gave every part of the Bible because He knew we would need it. And here in Jeremiah 39, we see a, a very tragic story about King Zedekiah. It says in verse number one, in the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the 10th month came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. Now, this should not come as a surprise because as we've gone through this series, Jeremiah has been saying it over and over and over again. The Babylonians are coming. God is going to judge his people because of their sin. As a matter of fact, this was not the first time that Nebuchadnezzar came against the city. This is what most historians believe the third. Some would say the fourth. But either way, we know this was the final phase. This was the final assault. This was the final attack on Judah and it says that Zedekiah was the king and Nebuchadnezzar and all of his army came against Jerusalem and they besieged it. That means they seized it. They took control of the city. And in the 11th year of Zedekiah, the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up and all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and they sat in the middle gate, even Nergal, Sherezer, and Sam Garnebo, and Sarsichim, and Rabsaris, and Nergal Sherezer, and uh, Rabmag, and all the residue of the princes of the king of Babylon. 
This was an attack that they were very confident in because they sent all the princes. This was, this was the grand finale. This was the, uh, the triumphal entry of the Babylonians into the middle of Jerusalem, and they knew there was nothing that the Jews could do to stop them. Verse 4, it came to pass that when Zedekiah, the king of Judah, saw them and all the men of war, then they fled and they went forth out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden, by the gate betwixt the two walls, and he went out the way of the plain. But the Chaldeans, verse 5, their army pursued after them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he gave judgment upon him. We see that Zedekiah has resisted and he has fought and he has not obeyed. He has not surrendered. And so now the, the Babylonians come and they take over the city and, and Zedekiah, he, he sneaks out the back door at night and he runs and he thinks he's going to get away. He thinks he's going to escape from Nebuchadnezzar, but the Bible says they overtook him. They captured him. And then the king of Babylon pronounced the judgment. He pronounced the sentence on Zedekiah. I want you to notice in verse 6 that it was not a light sentence. It was a very severe and it was a very awful sentence that the king of Babylon declared against the king of Judah. Verse 6, then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his eyes. Nebuchadnezzar forced Zedekiah to witness the execution of his sons right, right in front of him. And there was nothing that he could do to stop it. Verse number six, also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. So all the government officials, all of the who's who of Judah, he kills Zedekiah's sons and then he kills Zedekiah's cabinet, all of his closest associates and all of the uh, other leaders in Judah. Moreover, verse 7, he put out Zedekiah's eyes. He didn't kill Zedekiah. And I kind of wonder if Zedekiah would have preferred that. I kind of wonder if for Zedekiah, if he would have said, please just end my life. But Nebuchadnezzar said, no, I'm not going to end your life but I'm going to take out your eyes. And the last thing that you saw with your eyes was the execution of your sons and the execution of your associates and your cabinet. And he said it says that he bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us tonight. Help us to capture these truths and apply these truths to our own lives. And I pray that we would take this story and I pray we would see the spiritual truths. And I pray that we would be uh, warned. I pray that we would be helped. I pray that we would be challenged, that we would not run from you and we would not uh, rebel against your word. But I pray we would say yes to everything and anything that you want from our lives. May we be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, we've already seen it, but I want you to see the ruin. The ruin 
It tells us in verse 2 that the city was broken up. Then it tells us in verse 8, it says, And the Chaldeans burned the king's house. The palace was completely burned to the ground. And the houses of the people, they didn't just burn the palace. They burned all of the homes that were there in Jerusalem. The Bible says, uh, and they break down the walls of Jerusalem. You know what they were doing? They were sending a message. They were saying, not only have we destroyed you at the moment, but there's nothing left. Even if you did try to come back, even if you did try to escape us, even if you did try to fight against us, there's nothing here. It's all ruined. It's all destroyed. Verse number six, we read the verse, but not only was the city destroyed, not only were the, was the palace and the houses and the walls broken down, but verse six, I think, is probably the worst. We see that Zedekiah, his family was destroyed. His sons were killed. We see the ruin. Verse number six, the, the king of, of Babylon, he killed Zedekiah's sons in front of him. And then he put out Zedekiah's eyes as if to say, the last thing you ever saw was the execution of your own flesh and blood. There are some things in life that you never forget. There are some sights that you have seen that you never forget. There are some phone calls that you get that you never forget. There are some conversations that you have in a doctor's office or uh, in, a, in an ER waiting room that you never forget. And this was one of those things that Zedekiah would never forget. I can't imagine the awful memories that Zedekiah lived with and the unimaginable regret that Zedekiah had. But I want to tell you this. Zedekiah had been warned so many times. This should not have come as a surprise. Zedekiah had been warned. Here we are in Jeremiah 39. Do you know how long we've been in this study? And how many times have we told you that Jeremiah was preaching to Judah and saying, you better get right with God. You better turn back to God. You better get things right before judgment comes. And yet, Zedekiah would not. I think about the story of the prodigal son. Now, now, now think about this and think about the correlation with Zedekiah. The prodigal son, he made a decision that hurt himself, right? Would you say the prodigal son made a decision that hurt himself? And he made a decision that also hurt his father. I'm sure for that father of the prodigal son, I'm sure there were times that he wept over his son, but at the end of the day, that father knew he had done all he could do. That father had loved his son. He had cared for his son. He had provided for his son. He had done everything to point him in the right way. You say, how do you know that? Because guess what? The prodigal son eventually came to himself and he came back to the father. Praise God for that. But the father of the prodigal son, yes, he was, he was devastated. But the father of that prodigal son was not the one that was responsible. It was the prodigal son. But here we have Zedekiah, the father, the king of Judah, who had every opportunity to do what was right for himself and for his family. 
And yet Zedekiah, his choices not only hurt himself, but his choices destroyed his children. Now, I want to tell you, there's a great responsibility on parents. There's a great responsibility on grandparents. There's a great responsibility on those of us who are now in a position where we're trying to help the next generation. And the next generation may make some choices that break our hearts. And, and, and God forbid that happens. And, and, and can I say, don't give up on them. Uh, don't don't uh, uh, throw them out and don't say, oh, well, never loved them any. No, you love them and you pray for them. But if they do make those decisions, may it never be because it was our fault. May it never be because we disobeyed God. May it never be because we rejected the word of God like Zedekiah did. We see number one, the ruin. But number two, I want you to see, and we've already started to talk about this a little bit, but I want you to see the reason. Why was Jerusalem destroyed? Why were the houses burned? Why, was, uh, the wall, why were the walls broken down? And why was Zedekiah uh, 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 punished and his sons killed? Why did all this happen? Well, I want to remind you, this was God's judgment upon the nation of Judah. When did all of this start? It all started, turn with me if you would, back to Jeremiah chapter 2, I'm not saying this is the exact moment, but this is when Jeremiah starts to address it. But it all started, I believe, when God's people forgot God. You see, when we forget God, we are setting ourselves up for destruction. I'm not saying that there's going to be, you know, Russia's going to come in and they're going to capture you and capture your children. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that China's going to come in and they're going to, you know, burn down our church. And burn. I'm not saying that, but here's what I'm saying. There is a judgment that always comes because of forgetting God. There's a judgment that comes when we get away from God. And may God help us to stay right with God. And may God help us to stay in his word and stay on our knees. And may God keep us from backsliding. Because when we backsliding, there is no limit to how far we can go. I don't think Zedekiah ever in a million years dreamed that it would get this bad. I think he always thought, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm the king. I'll be all right. They're, they're not going to do anything too bad to me. But we see it all started. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number 5. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone... What's that next word? Far from me. Jeremiah is preaching here at the beginning of his ministry, and he says, your fathers have gone far from me. Now, friend, I want to tell you, if you're far from God, that's a problem. You ought to be close to God. I ought to be close to God. It ought not be that a day goes by that we don't spend time with God. It certainly ought not be that days go by. It certainly shouldn't be a week could go by, and we would say, oh, yeah, I wonder where that Bible is anyway. Uh, hey, honey, where'd you put my Bible after we came back from church three weeks ago? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but it could happen to you, and it could happen to me. It happened to God's people. They were far from Him. Notice with me, it says in chapter 2 and verse number 8, the priests, that's the, that's the, the religious leaders, the priests said not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. Wouldn't that be sad? 
to think that there were preachers that stood up behind this pulpit, that there was a pastor or an assistant pastor or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher that actually stood in the pulpit handling the law and they didn't even know God? Friend, I want to tell you, this is not, we're not talking about going through the motions on the outside because that's what they were doing. We're talking about a relationship with God in your heart that is real and a fellowship with God that is close. This is where it all started. Oh, it didn't start when the Babylonians came against the city. It started when God's people stopped following God. Notice with me chapter 2, verse 13. For my people, God says, have committed two evils. Number one, he says, they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters. They had forsaken God. Notice verse 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. Now I am sure when Jeremiah first preached this, I'm sure there were people that said, no, we're okay. Nothing bad's happened to us. We're, we're just going through the motions, but we're fine. Jeremiah, calm down. You act, like, you act like it's such a big deal. And you act like it's so important, you know, that we have to follow God and we have to do all the things that God said in his word. Jeremiah, just, just relax. Tell you what, you get to Jeremiah 39 and all of a sudden it's like, whoa. That preacher knew what he was talking about. God wasn't messing around. God told you this was going to happen, but you wouldn't listen. Notice with me, if you would, chapter 2 and verse number 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. You say, how many days is that? It's a lot of days. It's a lot of days when you can't even count them anymore. And can I tell you how it happens? You stop reading the Bible and you start, you stop praying and you stop going to church and you say, well, I don't have to go to church to be spiritual. Well, you sure could have fooled me because I sure see a whole lot about the church in the Bible. And I sure see a whole lot that Jesus came and he established the church. He built the church. He said, upon this rock, the church, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. See, it's God's plan. And if you want to say, oh, I can live for God and I can be spiritual and I can please God without the church, then you obviously, you got a different word from God than what's contained in the Bible. And you obviously are smarter than God and you've got a better plan than Jesus had. So that's why we talk about church and that's why we talk about the Bible. That's why we talk about praying. That's why we talk about confessing sins and getting right with God because we don't want to go without. And then what happens is you miss another day. And then you miss another day. And then you miss another service. And then you miss another service. Now we've got folks that are watching Online, We've got folks who are listening on the radio. And I understand we've got people who have not been to church in over a year because of COVID. And I want to say, if you haven't been in church because of COVID for over a year, I understand that. I respect that. And we have some that they haven't been anywhere in over a year. 
And I understand that. But I'll say this. We've got folks that I promise you, they couldn't tell you how many Sundays it's been since they've been in church. And it's not because of COVID either, because they go everywhere else under the sun. And you say, how does that happen? One service at a time. One day at a time. Just a little bit at a time. And you say, oh, well, and you know, you think you're better than everybody else because you go to church? No, it's probably the opposite. I go to church as much as I can because I need it as much as I can get it. Because I don't want to get to Jeremiah chapter 39 and I don't want to see the results of sin and backsliding. I want to stay close to God. And it's not just for me. It's for my children. It's for the generation to come. It's for those coming after me. And so we see the reason for this ruin was because of rebellion. Zedekiah and the people rebelled against God and they rebelled against God's word. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 22 Jeremiah preached and he said, return ye backsliding children. He said, hey, get back to God and God will heal your backsliding. Chapter 6, notice Jeremiah 6, verse number 19. Jeremiah 6, verse 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words but rejected it. Notice verse number 22. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, a people cometh from the north country, and a great nation shall be raised from the sides of the earth. Here we see in Jeremiah 6. that God tells them, He said, Because you haven't listened, because you've rejected me, God said there's an enemy to the north of you. They're coming, and they're going to destroy you because you will not hearken. Notice Jeremiah chapter, uh, let, let, let's, let's uh, move on from Jeremiah. Let's go to another uh, passage. Let's go to the book of Daniel. If you'll go Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. Let's look quickly at Daniel chapter 1. We're talking about the reason. How did this happen? Uh, how did the city become broken up? How did the houses get burned to the ground? How did the king's palace get burned? How did the walls get broken down? How did all this happen? Notice Daniel chapter 1. We see this was the first wave of captivity. This is when the king came and he didn't destroy the walls. He didn't burn down all the houses. He took some golden vessels from... Where? The temple. You know what those golden vessels were used for? Worshiping God. Can I tell you where it all started? Long before the city was destroyed, the temple was ransacked. And not only did he take the vessels for the worship of God, but notice what else he took. Verse number three, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. 
You know where it all started? God's people gave up their worship and they gave up their youth. Can I tell you what Satan's after today? He's after your worship and he's after our youth. Have you ever noticed what are all the advertisements? What is, this seems like Hollywood is aiming for and gearing for almost 100% of the time. It's the minds and the hearts of the youth. Because our youth, that's our future. If Satan can destroy and capture the youth, then he knows he just has to bide his time and he doesn't have to worry about the church. But where did it all start? It all started when their worship was stolen. Their young people were stolen. The reason for this judgment was rebellion against God. Turn with me back to Jeremiah 39, if you would, please. I want you to see what happens in this story. Zedekiah, he runs. He, he tries to escape. The Bible says he tried to escape by night. He took a particular gate that he thought he could get out and he could get into a plane where he could run and he thought he could get away. But I want to remind you, not only was Zedekiah running from the Babylonians, but Zedekiah was running away from God. And in this case, the Babylonians caught him. But in every case, God's going to catch you. You're not going to run from God. I asked Jonah how that worked out. I know what I'll do, Jonah said. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'll go down to Joppa and I'll catch me a boat to Tarshish. I'll go the opposite direction. And that way I won't have to do what God wants me to do. How many think it would have been easier if Jonah had just gone to Nineveh the first time? I think so. Can I tell you, when we run from God, things don't get better. They get worse. I've never done this. I don't plan to do this. But if I were driving down Highway 158 going into town and I saw some lights behind me, and I thought, oh, everybody's coming from church. And if I get pulled over on the side of the road, everybody's going to see my car. And they're going to know it's the pastor getting a ticket. I know what I'll do. I'm not getting a ticket. I'm going to run. I'm going to floor this Honda Accord. And I know I can outrun uh, those, those sheriff cars. I know I can outrun those sheriff cars. Can I tell you, that is not going to have a good ending. Say, but oh, but I didn't want to get a ticket. No, can I tell you what's worse than a ticket? Going to jail. And running is not going to make things better. So, when you see those lights, you pull over, right? And when you hear the Holy Spirit of God speaking, you pull over. You say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Say, yeah, you know, Pastor, I hope, I hope our teens, I hope they listen to God. You know, they're at a youth conference and, hang on. Since when, since when does God not speak to you once you hit 21? 
Why is it that we think, oh yeah, those teens need it and those children need it. I'm glad we got these children's ministries because they really need to make decisions. I want to tell you as adults, we need to listen to God. And we ought not run from God. We ought to say, yes, Lord, whatever you want, I surrender. I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to try to do my own thing. I surrender all. We see Zedekiah tried to run. Remember what Jeremiah had told Zedekiah and the people several chapters earlier. He said, if you want to live, you surrender. But if you fight, he said, you will die. Can I make the application tonight and say this? The greatest life that you and I can live is a life that is completely surrendered to God. You don't really start to live. And you don't really start to have joy. You don't really start to have God's best in your life until you say, I surrender. You want to try to fight God? It's not going to go well. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be miserable. It might look on the outside like everything's good. You say, nope, I'm fighting God and I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue doing these things. I know God doesn't want me to do it, but I'm going to do them anyway. And, and I, everything's good for me. That's the image you want to portray to everybody else. But in your heart, you're miserable. You know what that is? It's called conviction. It's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you because you are God's child. And saying, you can't live any way you want to when you're God's child. Because if you try to live any way you want to, there will be some chastisement. When I was growing up, I forget, I was just talking about this recently with somebody. But when I was growing up, uh, timeouts had not even been invented. As a matter of fact, going to the corner, I think, was kind of a newer thing. Some of you that are my age, would you at least tell, is that true or not? I mean, right? Or maybe it's just my parents. Maybe my parents just, they, they, they shielded me from hearing about all that other stuff. My parents also kind of shielded me from the allowance thing, you know? Like, what's an allowance? Oh, we don't do that here. Uh, and then if I pressed it, the allowance was, well, got a roof over your head. Got clothes on your back. Uh, we allow you to live in this house, right? That was the allowance. But uh, I don't remember where I was going with all that. Um. Chastisement, thank you. And I was not even, I wasn't even connecting the dots there. But there were certain things that because I was a child of Joe and Cindy Cobernat, there were things that other kids did. You know what my parents said? Not my problem. Not my children. But if I tried it, there was chastisement. Say, what's chastisement? If you look it up in the dictionary, it will show you a paddle, and it will probably show you my dad's picture. And my mom's picture is beside it, but she didn't have a paddle. She had a wooden spoon. And I've told you about the wooden spoon. And when mom swung the wooden spoon, she was crying so, so uh, intensely that she couldn't see where she was swinging the wooden spoon. And so that was a, a fearful thing, uh, to fall into the hands of an angry mother with a wooden spoon. You know what that was? It was chastisement. 
How come? Because I was their child and I wasn't going to live any way I wanted to live. And I wasn't going to do anything I wanted to do. And you say, well, why did they chastise you? I'll tell you why. As much as I didn't like to admit it then, it's because they love me. It was because they didn't want to see me grow up and not listen to any authority and ruin my life and destroy my life. Can I tell you, God will chasten you. And God will send conviction from the Holy Spirit of God to where it, when you're not right with God, if you're a child of God and you're not right with God, there's going to be nights where you can't sleep. And you can blame it on anything you want. Oh, you know, I got a lot of stuff on my mind. Yeah, I guess you do have a lot of stuff on your mind because the Holy Spirit of God will speak. So I wish the Holy Spirit wouldn't speak to me. I'm glad he does. Because when the Holy Spirit stops speaking, that's when you're in trouble. That's why it's good to listen. That's why it's good to respond right away. While that voice is still clear, while the Holy Spirit is still speaking, say yes and surrender to him. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.